Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Weber. I think I've got another interesting show for you. In this episode, we're going to talk about goals. Goals for 2020. What you can do to improve your umpiring and your skills on the field. Also, I'm going to do an umpire spotlight of Hall of Fame umpire Jocko Conlin. And I've got a guest interview this week, this time with my twin brother, Kirk Weber. So sit back, make sure your speakers are turned up, your earbuds are in tight for another episode of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. This week's Umpire Spotlight is Jack O'Conlin, the Hall of Fame National League umpire who worked from 1941 to 1965. So if you're one of our older listeners, you, you possibly might remember him working some games or seen him on TV. Anyway, he was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1974, and he was the fourth umpire to earn that honor. Uh, Jocko was uh, born in Chicago. His dad was a police officer and uh, got killed when he was uh, younger. And um, he wanted to be a ball player. And he uh, came up through the minor leagues for 13 years before he finally got his shot in 1934. So he played uh, some of the 1934 and 35 seasons with the Chicago White Sox before um, things turned and became an umpire. Um he worked uh, five World Series and six All-Star games, and his um, trademark was that uh, he kind of, um, you know, his dress tie, I mean, instead of having kind of the regular dress tie that a lot of the umpires wore back in that day, he usually wore uh, kind of a natty polka dot bow tie or some kind of bow tie. Also, he made his out calls with his left hand because, you know, he was left-handed, so that's what he did, and that was acceptable at that time. And he um, also was the last National League umpire to work with the outside, you know, balloon protector um, because he originally thought that he was going to be an American League umpire and that's what he was working. So when he went into the National League, he just kept that and he was the last one to do that. So like I said, before Conlon made it to the National League as an umpire, uh, he played two seasons in the American League with his hometown Chicago White Sox. Um, and it was a long journey through the minors for him, um, filled with many mistakes and some bad luck. Uh, he started his professional career in 1920 in uh, Wichita. Uh, then he bounced around mainly in the AA level and also played in Rochester and Newark and Toledo and Montreal. He was a, a, a good ball player. He was a career 300 minor league hitter with his uh, best season coming in 1924 when he hit uh, 321 with 12 home runs. So he probably would have made his big league debut in 1925 for the Cincinnati Reds, who were willing to buy his contract. But a late-season injury uh, nixed a trade that um, a trade opportunity for him, and that opportunity was lost. And he didn't make the majors until he was 34 years old. So um, his luck changed in 1935, though. On um, July 28th, in a 114-degree day, Conlon was out uh, with an injury. And he was asked to fill in for Red Ormsby, who was uh, overcome by the heat. 
Now, in those days, major league games were officiated by two-man crews, and if an umpire wasn't able to work, it was common practice to have a, a player or an assistant coach or something help, uh, help in the game. This is what Jocko Conlon did in July, uh, on July 28th and 29th in Chicago. Apparently, Conlon made a good showing during the opportunity because um, after the White Sox released him at the end of the season, the team general manager recommended to him that he try his hand as an umpire. Now, in those days, umpires had a pension system, and the ball players did not. So Conlon was intrigued, and uh, after gaining some experience in the minor leagues, uh, he made it to the National League as an umpire in 1941. So he was there until 65, and um, during that tenure, like I said, you know, he did uh, four NL playoff games, you know, the six World Series, the six All-Star games, and then got himself elected into the Hall of Fame. One of the reasons Conlon is uh, one of my favorite umpires is because I, I find some similarities that he has with me. Uh, one, he wasn't a particularly big guy. As a matter of fact, he was about the same size as I was. Um, and in those days, you could probably get away with that more. You didn't have to be, you know, 6'2 and 190 like a lot of the uh, professional umpires seem to be nowadays. Uh, so that, that's kind of inspiring to us smaller guys for sure. Um, he worked hard to gain the respect that he needed in ball games. Um, he wasn't given it because of his physical or imposing size. He had to earn it. He had to know how to manage a game and uh, how to get along with players. And he probably had that uh, ability as well because he was a player for a long time and he understood what um, people were going through, what the managers and players and everybody else was going through. However, th this did not stop him from having some uh, run-ins with particular managers, uh, particularly Leo DeRocher. Now, one of the things that's missing from, you know, modern baseball is that we don't have many of the, you know, heated arguments like we used to see in, with Earl Weaver or Lou Pinella or Sparky Anderson or those types of managers because of instant replay and other things. There's some good and bad things because of that. But that was not the case back in uh, Jocko Conlon's day. He had uh, several classic run-ins with Leo DeRocher. One of the most memorable uh, conflicts, um, Conlon felt DeRocher kicked him in the shin while he was attempting to like kick dirt on him. He kind of missed and slipped or whatever. But instead of ejecting DeRocher and um, walking away or whatever, Conlon simply returned a kick to DeRocher's shin. And of course, uh, because you know Conlon was wearing shin guards, he didn't really get hurt at all. And I'm sure it didn't feel very good to DeRocher get kicked right in the shin. Everybody knows that, right? Anyway, Jack O'Conlon was uh, certainly an interesting character and one of the uh, great umpires of all time. His Hall of Fame plaque reads, uh, John Bertrand Conlon, Jocko, umpire, National League, 1941-1965. Sunny disposition, accuracy, and hustle earned him rating as standout umpire, and he won respect of players and managers with his fairness, only arbiter to work in each of first four NL pennant playoffs, chosen for six World Series and six All-Star games. So certainly some great accomplishments for him. And uh, somebody to check out and uh, see how he how he did things and the kind of uh, attitude that he have, had and the kind of uh, hustle that he displayed while he was working in the major leagues. So that's this week's Umpire's Spotlight, Jocko Conlon.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The past several off-seasons, I've tried to take the time to set goals for myself for the next season, and I suggest this to you as well. Uh, I know some of you are um, more accomplished umpires than I am, but uh, you know you still can certainly set goals as well for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, for those of you that are just new to this and you're coming along, um, certainly you can do that as well. I think anybody can do that at any level. I mean, if you're a major league umpire down to a little league umpire, everybody can do this. And I'm not talking about goals as far as like, oh, I want to work these kind of games. So I want to work this level or I want to work this championship game and all that kind of stuff. Those things are not in your control. You know, your, your assigners are going to assign those to you or not, usually based on what you did last year frequently. Um, so you don't have control of those. I'm talking about goals like I'm going to get better at my timing when I'm calling balls and strikes. I'm going to work on how I see plays at third base when I'm working two-man, like tag plays and things like that, right? Like a steal play or, or any kind of play that might be at third base. Or for that matter, how I'm going to take steal plays at second um, in two-man or any um, any kind of format that you're working, you know, three-man or four-man. Um, those kind of things. You have control over those. Um you don't need to have a million goals. You know some things that uh, you're a little bit weaker on. Maybe some th- things have been pointed out to you by other umpires or, or coordinators or supervisors. Um, maybe they haven't, and you just know that you need to get a little bit better at it. If you do those things, then maybe the other goals that are out of your control uh, might happen. Now, you know some of these things can happen when if you work on them, if you go to a camp and get some instruction or you talk to uh, an umpire that you respect that has knowledge about it. But uh, some of it is just doing a little research on your own and um, working on it each game. Um, so like in the past, I've worked on, you know, like a few years ago, of course, you know, I had some, I thought my timing was too quick and I've been told that in the past when I first started umpiring for sure. So I've worked on that. Now I need to work on it every year. Um, you know, I think everybody needs to work on timing. That's something that it's a constant battle for, for everybody at some form or another, whether it be on the bases or when you're um, behind the plate. So, you know, those things, they're ongoing. But uh, I had specific goals for that uh, one particular year. Last year, um, I had a couple goals. I worked on um, how I was taking steel plays at second and how I was turning and trying to get in a little bit closer position and uh, a closer set position uh, taking steel plays, uh, particularly in two-man because, you know, I, I still work uh, primarily two-man most of the time. I mean, I get a few opportunities to work three or four-man, but, uh, you know, maybe not as many as I'd like, but that, that's the way it goes. So um, I worked on that, and I thought I did get a little bit better at that. I was pleased with how I did. The other thing I worked at was trying to um, maintain my pause read-react when I was working first base in two-man. Um, in the hopes that that would transfer over to how well I could do that 
if I was working three or four math. And I think I did pretty well. There were some games where it kind of was out of my mind. And, um, you know, because, you know, in two-man, especially once you work it quite a bit, you can, um, you just kind of do things more instinctively. And I'm, I'm sure three and four-man, the same type of thing. But I want to have the similar type of timing, whether I'm working two, three, or four-man for reading a fly ball that's in my area. Um, so I think whatever system you're working, um, if you continue to do that, you'll be able to do that. So that's something that's going to be ongoing. I'm going to continue to do that uh, next year as well. But like one of my goals for this next year is um, specifically how I work first base. Um, uh, obviously, I work more two-man, but where I'm taking plays, where I'm taking ground ball plays at first base, um, I was watching some videos lately uh, on Facebook uh, through the United Collegiate Umpires uh, Facebook page, and, and they have a uh, website to unitedumpires.org, which is a, a great organization that's been around a couple years um, Alex Scandalis uh, is kind of the, the guy that runs the website and runs a lot of stuff in that uh, organization. But uh, Chris Marshall, one of the D1 coordinators, um, uh, does a lot of the instruction, instruction what they have down in um, Florida. You know, they do the uh, rust mat and those kind of things like that. And they have several videos from several of their instructors. Some of them I've had the privilege of meeting a couple of times, like Jim Jackson or Scott Taylor. Um and so they had a series of videos on working first base, which is obviously very important. A lot of plays happen at first base. Um, I think sometimes I, I take certain plays um, too far into fair territory, whereas there's more plays I could take, you know, one to three feet off the line. Um, of course, you're more likely to be able to do that if you're working three or four man. You can take those plays there, whereas if um, you're working two man and, and there is an overthrow, then, you know, you've got the play at second or third base. So sometimes you got to be a little bit um, farther along. So I need to work on that. Um, I, you know, I, I need to work on how I'm getting set with my body and turning my head. He had a whole video on that. Chris did anyway, Mr. Marshall. And uh, I think I can incorporate that into what I'm doing as well. And, um, you know, and also just uh, when there is a, a, a poor throw, um, how I might be able to get uh, read steps better, getting read steps better. I, I, I feel like I can work on that on, on all my bases, but particularly at first base. So those are some things I'm going to focus on um, for next season and um, it, along with the other things that I'm always trying to work on as well. I'm interested to know what you um, plan to focus on. I put a... Um, I put a, um, a post out on the Facebook page uh, for you know that I just started up and uh, asking people to uh, um, give me some you know feedback on what they might be focusing on for goals for this upcoming season and leaving me a 60 second voicemail. So if I get some of those, uh, I'm certainly going to share them um, on this podcast or future podcasts to see what kind of goals people have. I think when you hear what other people are doing. That makes it a little bit easier to come up with some yourself. Um, you know, and, and again, you can't like have 20 goals because, you know, that's a little bit too much. You got to have a few specific focus goals you can work on along with everything else that's just basic that you got to make sure you maintain uh, throughout a season, you know, for all the games that we are working. So that's kind of what I'm thinking as far as that. And I, like I said, I'd really appreciate it if you, you know, gave me some feedback on that. And let me know what you're thinking. I mean, for example, um, another another thing that I I'm going to work on, and maybe some of you as well, is um, my drop drop third strike mechanic. Um, 
you know, I, I do the hammer, and uh, if there is a drop third strike, I usually, um, I used to give like the safe sign, and uh, I was told in my camp that that's you know not really acceptable anymore, and also can be confusing, which I, I agree. So you, you give the you know hand out to the side with the point, uh, indicating that the ball was on the ground. Um, and so I have to work that in. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. I'm sure at some point um, my my um, my mind is just going to go to you know doing the safe sign because that's the way I've been doing it for several years now. But I know I can train myself to to do it in a different way. Um, so you know I'll make sure that that happens. So I like to. I'm really interested in knowing what some of you guys are thinking and what you're trying to work on. Um, and then how you might go about doing it and try to make sure that that happens. So that is kind of, a, I guess, a mechanics um, segment that we have here and uh, kind of a, a mental segment. I guess that's what we're going for, not necessarily rules, but uh, something that uh, we all should be thinking about uh, throughout the season. here. Welcome back to The Hammer. I've got a special interview for this segment with my twin brother, Kirk Weber, who is a person that has some experience with uh, uh, umpires uh, living in Troy, Michigan in the Detroit area. His uh, daughter plays travel softball and his son has played travel baseball and uh, is now a high school baseball player in that area. Um, Kirk and I also, um, just as a side note, uh, record a podcast together called Double Take, which is on all podcast platforms, or most of them anyway, uh, which you can check out. We talk about sports and culture and geek out on a variety of things. But anyway, I've got Kirk on here today to talk about umpiring and uh, what he's seen for the good and the bad of umpiring. First, I'll ask you, Kirk, when, what do you think makes a good umpire? When you see an umpire in a game that... Uh, you're watching one of your kids play in. What makes you think, oh, that person's probably a good umpire? Well, there's probably two things that come to mind. One is uh, just the visual. You know, I know that, you know, you don't always want to just judge people by how they look, but I think it's important with umpires to come out and look like the part, look professional. Um, you know, normally the umpires that I see are just, uh, you know, two people umpiring, you know, same color shirts, stuff like that would be good. But most parents don't pay attention to that. But I know with having a brother that umpires um, and just being a big baseball person, that that's a big thing. But, you know, I've seen guys come out wearing shorts when they're umpiring, like the bases or even the plate. And, and obviously that's not matching the other guy, you know. Um, I've seen uh, a guy one time that uh, spent the whole tournament with his uh, short sleeves rolled up. So it looked like he was wearing a tank top because he had pretty good guns on him and he wanted to get some sun on those guns out, guns get, out, sun's out. Yeah. That's right. And while I appreciate the, you know, multitasking, it looked ridiculous. And I oftentimes when I see these things, I send you little pictures of things like, look at this guy, yeah. you know. Um, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're that guy that is the look at this guy, that, that is not a good start. And then you're, you're already, you already are, I think from my angle dealing with, you're, you're always dealing with the problems that other umpires probably have caused in the past. Most of the time people don't remember good things. Umpires did. They remember the bad. So they previously had a bad experience or something like that. And then they see this, um, that, that just already puts you behind the eight ball. 
The other thing that I've seen with lower levels, whether it's uh, USSA stuff or even sometimes in high school, but more uh, kind of lower stuff is people just don't know the rules. And then they get, they think because they're the umpire, they can just yell their way through it or something like that. And I mean, it's not about judgment calls and things. It's just more about just know the rules and look the part. That's a great way to start. I probably at any level. I mean, you, you guys are more familiar with that than I am, but that, that would be the thing. that we try to do now in modern umpiring and um you know knowing the rules is being in control of a game as well that's definitely very important um you know there's different rule sets that people have to play with but you got to know what you're doing going into a contest you know if you're playing pro rules you're playing federation rules what the dh rule is what the mercy rules are um time limits all those kind of things for the guys that work you know summer ball which most of us do i'm mean, trying to get better you're, you're working some summer ball so right Yes. So um, have you noticed some differences as far as, you know, uh, from travel ball to high school ball that you see now the last few years here? Well, I do think the umpiring gets better as the as kids get older. Uh, and, and I know I'm talking from a parent perspective, but I guess that's why I'm on. Uh, I do see strike zones change. Uh, they tend to get a little smaller, more particular. Um, and that's not a problem. I mean, you know, I think anybody that's a fan of the game and even though you have your motives, whether you're a coach or a parent, and you're always kind of rooting for your particular player and, and things like that. You just want to see things be fair. Mm-hmm. So like if a strike zone is big or small, just make sure it's being called the same way and make sure that um, it is, especially from a hitter perspective. And I have a son that, you know, pitches too, but it's got to be hittable pitches. You know, like these, you know, times when you're calling stuff that's at somebody's eyes or neck or, you know, four or five inches off the plate or skimming across the ground, that that is just not fair to anyone. And even the other side, which won't say anything to you, is going to be like, yeah, that's not really good. You well, know? they know it's coming their way, probably. Right. Too, unfortunately. You know, so so, you know, that sort of thing is, you know, get consistent. Um, have something that is a balance. I mean, you, you want to find a strike zone that is um, fair to both sides. I'm sure that's what people talk about in camps um, and can help the, the, especially with amateur players. They're, they're just trying to, no matter what level they're at, they're just trying to grow as a player. Um, so if, you, if you're able to do that, um, that helps everyone, everyone out. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would say the strike zone is, kind of the bigger thing i i tend to see um i yes. i know with the bigger fields there are times the way it kind of works in high school at least around the metro detroit area is you know guys that have been um umping longer probably are getting sometimes get some more high school stuff but sometimes they're a little bit older not quite as in good a shape and they have a larger field to deal with and sometimes that kind of uh you see how they're they're not getting to position, especially if they're doing the bases, uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I see yeah. that occasionally too. But you know, we're you know, I mean, people are sympathetic to umpires. I mean, whether it's a hot day in the summer uh, where you're you know want to make sure they're hydrated because a lot of times you're just kind of getting overworked um, for you know tournaments and things like that. Um, and I, I think just when umpires make good calls, you tend to appreciate it because. It's unfortunate, but a lot of times you're only as good as the other people that have been umping, you know, recently for those teams. Or sometimes you're only as good as your partner 
right? Would that yeah. be true? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, if yeah. they're messing oh, up, yeah. you could be the greatest umpire in the world, but you're going to be blamed too, you know? Um, so they're, you know, these guys are a joke. It's always like a, you know, it's always a collective, right? Or something like yeah. that. Well, so. we are we are the other team out there. So that's true, you know? <laughs> right. So. so, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I, I appreciate, especially, you know, with uh, lesser pay jobs like high school and lower, uh, it's not like college level sorts of things. I know that sometimes you're the glutton of punishment, but on the other hand, um, I appreciate that people come out and, and do these jobs. Um, there, you know, it, it's it's not easy, but we we need more people to keep umpiring because, you know, you can't really have the games without them. That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate you coming on today and giving a little parent perspective. Um, we have a variety of listeners on the show from guys that do little league and travel tournaments uh, to, you know, high school age and college age and even a few pro guys that listen in. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting perspective. Um, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they have their own kids and stuff involved in sports and, and we always uh, take a look at things uh, from a official's perspective. I mean, if I'm watching basketball or football or obviously baseball as well, I'm always seeing what the uh, officials are doing and um, trying to figure out, you know, how things are going for them uh, more than anything else. So I appreciate that. Right. So. Yeah. And I'd like to congratulate you. I know you uh, just recently found out that you're going to get to do a division one non-conference game uh, this, this spring. And that's yes. your first yeah. attempt at that. And I know from, you know, that's a very exciting thing and a goal of yours and, so that'll be that'll be cool. I hope I can uh, view it. I know it's a midweek game, um, but you guys normally don't like to talk about wh- where you're going and stuff. Is yeah, that you know, it's it's usually the um, you know you shouldn't be you know saying what games you're working you know on social media in particular, but you know obviously on a podcast as well. But yes, um, I'm working a non-con game in the spring here in Michigan. <laughs> right. So right. I'll leave it at that. I mean, I can talk about it more afterward, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm very excited, very honored to do it. Um, you know, okay, is it the highest level game out there? Well, no, but you know what? There's a lot of guys that like to be working it. So I'm very blessed to, to get the opportunity to do it. Hopefully I'll, I'll do all right. It's a three-man crew, and I'm going to be working first base. So I'm going to be studying up from now until April when that happens. Um, you know, maybe I'll get lucky and get another one along the way. But, yeah, it's been a long, arduous process to get to this point. Um but, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've worked hard like a lot of guys have, and, and, and it's paid off, you know. So I feel very proud that I've been able to do that, and hopefully I'll, I'll you know, represent pretty well all the, all the guys yeah. that brought me along because that's really what it is. You know, there's people in your corner that help you out and promote you and help you get better, and, um, you know, it's, it's not just you once you get to whatever level, you know, whether you're doing a state championship or you're – you're doing a division one game or moving up to a D2. I mean, I've got some uh, D2 games, you know, some non-cons that I have this year too, which I haven't had very many of those in the past. So that's really exciting as well. So right. I'm sure you'll do a fine yeah. job, you know? Um, yeah. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. And yep. Congratulations too. So. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for coming on Kirk. And um, like yeah, I no said, problem. if uh, people want to hear more of us talking about other things other than umpire and check out uh, double take our podcast that we do together usually once a week. So, yeah. All right. Well, take care, Kirk, and uh, I'll see you down the road. All All right. right.
Well, thanks for sticking with me through another episode of The Hammer. I've been very pleased for how things have been progressing with this podcast. Uh, I've been able to get it on different listening platforms. So if there's one in particular you like more than another, hopefully it's on there now. I just recently uh, got the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Podcasts, um, Breaker, Spotify. That's one I like. Of course, on Anchor, um, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, um, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. And there are some others that will be coming down the line as we um, you know, move into the future. I know for sure that if you have like an Alexa at, at your house or something, you can just ask um, TuneIn to play the, the Hammer and Umpire podcast and it will just play it right on there. So if that's easier for you, go for it. Also, you know we we've got listeners now from from all over the uh, all over the world. Uh, we have some listeners in Indonesia and in Canada. Uh, of course, you know the United States is the bulk of where we have our listeners, and some twenty-something states all over the country. Uh, we have um, people listening. I haven't got to like maybe Hawaii or Alaska yet, but maybe that'll be coming soon. But the continental United States were. We're pretty well there. Uh, I'd like to start doing some segments on equipment and favorite equipment that uh, people like to use. Like, what's your go-to mask? What's the mask you found has been the best? What's your go-to chest protector, uh, shin guards, or other equipment? What types of umpire pants do you like the best? Or the brand of umpire shirts and um, jackets and hats that you like the best? So if you have any feedback on that... um, you can, um, of course, email me at spinalfusion06 at yahoo.com. Um, or you can leave me a voice message you know, through the Anchor app. And uh, also I have the Facebook page, which has just been started up. I've got quite a few followers now. So you can certainly uh, look on that page and also directly message me through that. It's uh, at The Hammer Podcast. Is, um, and you can just search on Facebook for The Hammer Podcast podcast and you should be able to find it pretty easily and and like it and join it and um, join in and you know do some communicating with me so that's pretty much all i've got for this week until next time keep calling strikes Mm -hmm.